Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. We held it for a little effect there, Shedheads. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I hope you guys are having a great week up until eh, this moment because it's only going to get better as we come together to discuss the world of rugby league, NRL, and the AFL. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. I know that uh, it's been a very unique time. I I'm actually in the part of the states, uh, the divided states, um, that is, I think we've got the thermostat at 180 degrees outside. I, don't, I, I can't help my... My friends down under, uh, I'm so bad at Celsius, I really don't understand. So we'll just say it's 40 plus. How about that? But it is hot. It is very, very hot. And I'm still going on a walk with Mrs. Shed Adamas after we record this episode of Outside the Shed. So I, I may be a, a, a glutton for punishment, but that's what we do. That's what we do. That being said, I, there's a lot of things. I think you guys all know, Shedheads, what I feel about a lot of issues uh, in this world, you know, I, I live in a country that is uh, very divided. I kind of make fun of that. And I I really never expected uh, this type of, I don't know what to say polarization, but the, the politics to find their way into rugby league the way they have uh, this week. Uh, we're going to discuss this a little bit later on down the track in the 40-20. But um, I think that in this day and age of awareness and, and everything being boom, there it is, right in your face. We go from zero to 60 so fast in so many different aspects of life. Uh, you know, I think all of us have, have really been in difficult relationships with friends and family members um, over beliefs, over, uh, you know, who you voted for, who you didn't vote for. Um, you know, you know what's going on over here in, in, in the divided states about abortion and, you know, rights and all this type of stuff. And it's a lot to handle. It's a lot to handle because I think we all, as, as creatures, as humans, we all have our opinions and our beliefs. But when somebody says that your opinion and belief isn't as important as, as their opinion and belief, I think that's where you get into some murky water. You get into some some dangerous ground, you get into areas where, where people's feelings are hurt, you get into, you know, where broken relationships can happen, and that's sad, that's sad, I've experienced things, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else, um, but I didn't really expect to see this in the NRL, I can't wait to talk to you about it a little bit more as we go on to the 40-20, but let's start and do a recap of this last week. We started off the round with a, a, a match that I think a lot of people thought was going to be a defining match and who was going to make the top four uh, going into finals with the Broncos and the Eels. And I got to tell you something. What do we talk about Kevy and the boys? That they are a real team. Um, the adversity of last year I think has really paid forward to this year. And, and Brisbane is playing some incredible footy. They're playing some really, really incredible footy. And I, I'm so I'm really, really happy. I've never been the, the biggest Broncos fan, but I've, I've always loved Kevy. And I think watching Adam Reynolds come up there, the way that this team has gelled with, with a lot of the younger players, uh, it, it's been really, really fun to watch. And on the other side, you've got a Penrith team 
that just continues a yo-yo back and forth with big victory, bad loss, big victory, bad loss. Um, and, and so that kind of continued because the Broncos 36, Eels 14. Sorry, Dom, that we're having to start off with this, but it, it, it was a match that I, your Shedadamas, predicted. Matter of fact, he predicted six of eight last week for the NRL. So a little pat on my back right there. Um, but the Broncos just really did what they wanted to with, with the Eels. And I got to admit, I did pick Brisby. But I didn't think that they would handle business the way they did. But I think if you're a Broncos fan, you've got to feel very, very good about the back end of this season. Dragons 20, Sea Eagles 6. Who would have known that this result for the Sea Eagles would probably be the highlight of their week? Um, And that's bad as it is. But Benny Hunt, I'm telling you, the guy has literally thrown Queensland slash St. George on his back the last month and a half. And he's played incredible footy. And the crazy thing is he's not a big guy at all. I'm saying he's solid, but he's not a big guy at all. And he just continues to get up and play week in and week out. He plays the tough the, the, the tough plays. He takes the tough runs. He makes the big tackles. He's just, He plays above his weight and his size. Uh, and he's, he's something special. I don't know if St. George will make it into the eight. But the funny thing is, if they do, we know the reason it will be, and it'll be because of Ben Hunt. Roosters 42, Knights 12. Um, the Roosters continue to roll. I think that you're, you know, it's setting up for a big match this week, which we're going to go into in detail. But I think that the, 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 the real defining moment of that match, it wasn't really, I think everybody expected the Roosters to take care of business. But I think it was the loss of Kalen Ponga. And again, another story we're going we're gonna to dive into uh, a little bit deeper here as we go into a deep dive. Raiders 26, Warriors 14. Uh, can Canberra continuing their push towards the finals, trying to make it in that eight. Uh, and, and, you know, the Warriors, they just they can't get out of their way. Um, and I've got to tell you, I watch week in and week out hoping to see um, some type of resemblance of the Sean Johnson that I think so many people grew up and 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 enjoyed watching you know at, at one time a golden boot winner and he's just not the same player you know he just won't run the ball and and for Sean Johnson not to run the ball would be like Michael Jordan never taking a shot it's just it's not it's not fun to watch and I think it's showing there but um uh big victory by by the by Sticky and the boys Panthers 20 Sharks 10 um, I tell you, the Sharkies really pushed the Panthers. They really pushed them. Uh, Penny showed that steal that they have to make sure they got the victory. But I think that the, the, the moment that everyone's still talking about is the Dale Finucane hit. Uh, and, and I think we're, we're going to talk about that one in more detail as well because, you know, again, one of the defining moments of the round. Um, but I think if you're a Sharks fan, you gotta be, you got to feel really, really well the way you've played against some of these top teams that you might have something to show at this end of the season. Rabbitohs 24, Storm 12. Um, you know, Latrell and the Bunnies continue to do their thing. Uh, they, 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 they snap the hoodoo of the Storm, and they send them to their four straight loss in a row. I don't know if I've seen since I've watched Rugby League Craig Bellamy look more, I don't want to say lost, but I don't think he has the answer that he seems to have week in and week out after the Storm lose. 
I think he's being he's really troubled right now, and I don't think he really knows which direction to go. Um, they did just obtain in a in a um, in a move that, that gets him to the end of the season, David Nafaluma from the Tigers to come down there to maybe spark something uh, with 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 the Storm. But I'm really curious because this match against the Warriors, I think, is key for Melbourne. And we'll see what they're made of and if they take some frustration out on on the Warriors. But the problem is, if it was in Melbourne, I think it's an easy victory, but it's not. And that, to me, is where this is going to get a, real, a little bit interesting because the Storm have to go to Mount Smart. They have to go to New Zealand, and that's going to make this match even tougher for them to win. Bulldogs 36, Titans 26, Josh Adokar getting his treble, getting three tries, um, again putting Justin Holbrook under more pressure, but you know everyone keeps talking about Cameron Seraldo, Cameron Seraldo, Cameron Seraldo. Mick Potter has really galvanized this, this, this Canterbury side, they're playing fun football to watch, to me they're one of the, fun, the most fun teams to watch right now. Because of all the different type of talent they have on the field. Now, they're going to lose some of that because, you know, I, I think Marshall King has been a real re revelation in the nine. Um, you know, Josh Adokar, a lot of people thought he was crazy going to the Storm. But, you know, he's been playing well. So much so, he's playing so well that the Storm tried to get him to come back for the remainder of the season. But, the you know, and then, then it's not even talk. I was talking last week that it looked like Josh Adokar's season might be over because of his gluten and, and ankle injury. Okay, some people say it was a lower back. But he's bounced back and playing incredible Josh Adokar footy. So, big victory by the dogs. And then finally, in the blunder of the round, Cowboys 27, Tigers 26. The worst call this season in the NRL taking place in this we're going to talk about this for for the first time in a lot of weeks. We're going to talk in positive light. Well, hey, two weeks in a row, I think, we've talked positive light about the Tigers. Uh, we talked about the whole transfer of power and Benji and 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 and, and, and the boys coming back uh, to learn under Tim Sheens. So we're going to go into that a little bit later as well. Now, let's start with my first big deep, deep dive story of this week. And, and, and unfortunately, the loss for the Newcastle Knights was one thing, all right? Newcastle's had a horrible season. Um, they can't get it right in the halves. It looked like they're maybe stabilizing a little bit with Anthony Milford, and then the MILF says he's going to go and play for the Dolphins and Wayne back up in Queensland. And, you know, they just can't seem to get it right. You know, uh, Adam You know, Adam O'Brien keeps giving press conferences in his, you know, type of way of talking. Uh, and, you know, they just don't get the results that they're looking for. I think a lot of people were hoping that Kalen Ponga was going to come back and reinvigorate the side, and they were just going to explode going forward. Unfortunately, this weekend, the loss to the Roosters wasn't the most important result that happened on the field. And that big result was Kalen Ponga leaving after the eighth minute for another HIA. And it's his fifth so far of this season. Now, we've talked over and over and over again about the head, about the brain, about damage that happens from head trauma, from hard hits, from concussions. And it's scary to see. It's very, very scary to see because it did not look like a heavy hit that Kalen Ponga took that ruled him out of the game. 
or at least sent him to the sideline for the HIA, which later turned into um, him being removed from the rest of the game. But what scares me is it's Kalen Ponga's third concussion in two months. And that should make you pause, just like I did right then. Because for a guy that two years ago was the poster boy for the future of the NRL, you get worried. And one thing about concussions, we've talked about this, every time you get a concussion, if you do not let the brain heal properly and for a, a lengthy period of time, it the chance of a reoccurring injury with a hard hit, hard contact, is easier for you to get another concussion. And I don't understand why people find that so difficult to understand. If you take a head knock and get a concussion, that is why you see a lot of players, Luke Carey, uh, you know, Kalen Ponga, you see these guys getting concussions in times where you're like, wow, that didn't look like much of a hit. It's because it doesn't have to be much of a hit anymore. The stress and the trauma has already been caused. It's already been created. That pattern has already been indented into the brain and into the nervous system. So when when word comes out and Kalen Ponga is hoping that, 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 that things are ruled in his favor, that he's not done for the season... You have to understand, Kalen Ponga needs to be done for the season. Kalen Ponga probably does not need to be playing any more footy until the Rugby League World Cup. Because he has to get his brain correct. And I you know, I know a lot of uh, athletes in Australia and New Zealand get sent over to the United States for uh, a deeper dive into their mental and physical uh, prowess and injury and all of that. You need to be sending them stateside then. Because he really needs to see a neurologist to see what is going on. Because I, I don't think anybody wants to see Kalen Ponga. I'm saying that he's not even 30 years of age yet. I'm saying he's 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 mid to mid-20s. And you can't have him lose the rest of his life because of or I don't want to say lose it. He's not dying, but but you don't want to see him trouble for the rest of his life because of not properly assessing his head trauma. So I don't I, I don't know if I can get any more detailed or any more urgent about this discussion, but the young man is at a crossroads right now. And if, if, if Newcastle does not shut down his season, you really have to look at the game and you really have to look at Newcastle. Do they really care about their investment in this in, in, in Kalen? Um you know, the Knights aren't going to make the eight anyway. So I don't understand why you would even think about risking this guy in that in that way. So huge, huge moment for the rest of this season. And I, and I knock on wood and I pray that it is not the beginning of the end of a career. Like a lot of people are still worried about Luke Keery. Um, I want to say one other thing about this. Kalen Ponga actually wears a helmet. It's a soft helmet, but he still wears the, the headgear, they say, right? And he's still taking head knocks at at a pretty alarming rate. And I kind of wondered when Luke Carey came back or when Boyd Cordner came back or when Jake Friend came back, why none of these guys are wearing soft headgear, right? And I know that they all talk about the love of the game. We all talk about the love of the game, right? But these guys have a different love of the game. They play it. They put the jersey on, you know. They embrace in the battles and the wars on the field. And... I don't understand why I've not seen one of those guys come back 
especially the Roosters guys under 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 Robbo, you know, why we've not seen them come back wearing headgear. Joseph Swally now, who played in headgear, doesn't even wear headgear anymore. And he's a big guy, right? Jason, Joseph Swally's a big guy. But you wonder if the shame of wearing that headgear is taking over the fact that these guys are putting their, their health behind that. I don't know if they think they don't look cool or if they or if or if people shun them or, or make them feel bad because they put that on. I don't know what it is. But I I think when you when you have repeated head knocks, I think the NRL should be stepping in there and saying you have to wear headgear for a certain amount of time after that impact or after those if, if you get three concussions in two months, if you do come back, you have to wear headgear for the rest of the season. That type of stuff. You've got to look out these player welfare. And if and if they're if they're making the horrible decisions from the bunker and the high contacts and all that stuff, why wouldn't you be making decisions over helping these guys, maybe help them get out of their own way and implementing this type of a thing? Making headgear something they have to wear after a certain amount of concussions during the season, if they do come back at all. So um, just something to think about, something I've really been contemplating and going over in my head how to bring this up on this show. But um, let's hope let's hope that Kalen Ponga takes a deep breath, makes the right decision, and the Newcastle Knights do the same because they need to look out for this young man. Now, let's talk about the contact in the game. Dale Finucane. One thing everyone knows about Dale Finucane, he plays and practices at 100 miles per hour, all right? So I don't think it was too surprising for everybody when Dale Finucane came running like a banshee off the line and tried to decapitate Stephen Crichton. Now, the crazy thing about it is during the game, there was not a penalty caused by the on-field official or the bunker. And when you slowed it down and you watched it more and more, Dale didn't hit. Stephen Crichton in the head with his shoulder. He didn't do a swinging arm that caught him in the head. No, Dale destroyed his ear with his face and with head contact to that. And I don't know if you've ever had a friend hit you in the ear. I know you're going to like, shut up. Why are you talking about a buddy hitting you in the ear? It hurts. Any type of ear trauma hurts. All right? So when somebody runs at Mach 5 and takes their face and explodes it into your ear... Yeah, bad things are going to happen. But that does not mean that Dale Finucane, because let me ask you a question. Dale Finucane's been having head trauma himself, all right? Don't forget, he's had to miss games because of head trauma this year. So I don't think Dale Finucane was thinking about, I'm going to use my head as a weapon to take out Stephen Crichton. I don't really see that. I think you would be kind of an idiot if you felt that. But that didn't change the fact that after no penalty was caused during the game that the NRL steps in later with their badge. The new sheriff, the big sheriff comes in. And the NRL slaps Dale Finucane with a grade three dangerous contact charge. And Shedheads, that is a farce. I I don't even know where to go with this anymore. You know, the NRL at one time, if you look at old matches, there were 32,000 people and more in regular season games at parks, at stadiums. 
And the NRL has done thing after thing after thing after thing to drive the fans away. First of all, they took away the Biff. All right? Tell me one guy that has lasting injury from a fight that happened on the field. Right? But then tell me the moment in origin when everybody left their seats and were engaged. And that was the fight between Dane Gagai and the poor. Let's not even let's not talk about him too much right now because it didn't go well for him. Matt Burton. All right, we'll talk about him. It was the moment that brought people alive. And what it does is, and I still remember the Battle of Brookville. I remember the fight. Uh, between Adam Blair and, um, uh, what am I trying to say, the Venomous Snakes brother. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. But but we remember that moment when Manly and the Storm came together, and it set down precedent for, mu- for years after that, every time those two teams played. Every time these two teams played. So... I think that was the beginning of the downfall on some aspects of the NRL. Because you can't take away things that, that fans love. You can't do that. And then when they do the Hutchinson rule, right? And I'm going to call it that. I call it the Hutch rule. They got it wrong. The young man got hurt for the Roosters. Punctured lung. They didn't make the call on the field. They, they totally looked past it. And then they found out the damage that Drew Hutchinson received, and then it was the spot, it was the ricochet effect. And they went all crazy. Oh my gosh, we can't have that in the game. Oh, and oh it was and now the you know, everyone talks about magic round that year of people being sent off like you know, like they were being sent, you know, into timeout, which they were. But it 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 is out of control how the NRL keeps kicking themselves in the head. Repeatedly kicking themselves in the head with bad decision. And this grade three dangerous contact charge is, it's going to change the game again. And, I, you know, I, I don't understand why they have to do this. I don't, you know, and I know we're all about protecting the head. I'm just going to talk about Kalen Ponga. No one wants to see some guy doing a swinging arm and knocking somebody out. You should be sent off the field. You should be suspended for a couple weeks for that. But, but when guys fall into tackles and hit your shoulder or hit your arm and you get penalized, you're missing the point. You are missing the point. And then I'm, I'm so tired of seeing Graham Ansley standing up there every week and trying to, and we're going to talk about him again. I almost use, anyway, trying to, to justify the decisions that have been made and the, the banker, the on-field official. Get out of here. Get out of here. It just, you're, you're missing what people love. And it's not about watching guys get injured. It's about what we don't know is coming next. The bunker has done nothing but slow down the play of game. It has done nothing but make people more contentious about what could happen next. You don't even get to celebrate a try anymore because it's got to go upstairs to be confirmed. So all that emotion that people get with a try is all the airs let out of the stadium. It's all, it's just gone. Let's wait. Oh, it's confirmed. So you want to celebrate, but then we're going to hold our breath. Now we're going to celebrate again. It's not the same. So... 
you know, thank God Dale, he appealed because he got a three-game suspension for this. And then he appealed and got it down to two. It, it is a joke. And I, the sad part about it is I do not see the NRL getting out of its way. Unless somebody buys it and, and just gets rid of a bunch of people, gets rid of officials that, that, that seem like they're scared to make decisions for on-field, which we're going to talk about that one right now. But NRL, you're at a crossroads right now. I'm looking at 70,000-plus people in stadiums for AFL games, and we can't get 20 into an NRL stadium. you got to do better. You've got to do better. And, and Dale, uh, I, 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 over here in America, I want to tell you we know you got robbed, and I'm sorry that you're having to sit on the sidelines, but I'm really happy that Steven is fine uh, and, and that you didn't get any more head trauma from that impact that you had, but a farce, 100% farce. Now, let's go about, uh, let's stay where I like it right now, the punching bag of the week, the bunker. The West Tigers, and I told you I was going to talk about them again because it looked like they were seconds, literally one second, away from their biggest victory of the season of beating the number two team in the competition, uh, North Queensland, and it was, in the, the, it was there for the taking. They score a try late. They've got one second left. They're going to catch the ball, fall down, game over. Let's celebrate. Let's go back to Concord. Let's go back and celebrate back home in Sydney. Big victory. And then they kick the ball off. And it's now proven by looking that Val Holmes kicked it in a way where he came in front of the ball and then came back to hook it back. Illegal. Not talked about again by the Munker. And then he kicks it off, and Kyle Felt, who's known for taking a dive occasionally, is brilliant and runs right into the back of a Tigers player and does one of the most dramatic Hollywood falls to the left that I've ever seen. Instantly, because he's a genius, Chatty Townsend comes running in and appeals. Appeal, appeal for obstruction. Appeal, appeal. Well, the referee again even though he's blown the whistle, tries to tell everyone to get away from him because he's listening. He's listening to Ashley Klein in the bunker. We don't know what Ashley Klein has said. We don't know what he's saying to him. But then he comes back and asks Chad exactly, what are you appealing? And that's when Chad says obstruction. It was almost like if, if Chad Townsend said anything but obstruction, the game would have been over. But he was waiting to hear those magical words, what Chad was doing and why he was uh, doing a challenge, right? Well, it goes upstairs. And as you listen to Brandy and all the, 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 the people broadcasting the match saying, the game's over, the game's over. Next thing you know, Ashley Klein gives the penalty to the Cowboys and Val Holmes slots it, game over. Tigers lose by one, right? I I don't even know. Again, back to this whole talk about the bunker, what it's there for. Everybody has said that that play should have been over. Game should have been over. Except for one guy on TV. We won't even mention his name, you know, because he's already got enough followers and people talking. He tried to make a... Uh, a, 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 a plea saying that, that it was a penalty, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even getting into that. That's ridiculous. But 
What I will say again is the bunker once again gets it wrong. Graham Ansley comes back out defending it, saying that they did get it wrong, but then defending and not... But we do know that Ashley Klein will not be officiating this week. So that means that something did come down saying that he got it wrong. I just... I don't... I don't understand because the more you try to micromanage a sport, the worse the sport gets. And I think a lot of times what you see about this is it's it's people that have never played the game who are doing and making the calls. And that's why I think you need to see a game, a game that's played. The NHL got ruined by Gary Bettman, a guy that came in from the NBA. You know, I... You know, that would be like a guy from the Navy coming in and teaching planes how to fly to the United States Air Force. It's, it's idiotic. But when you get people who have not made a tackle like that, you get stupid decisions. Because you get decisions from people who don't really understand. I don't care. I love the game as much as they do. But I also know that you cannot mess with the chemistry and the foundation of a sport. You can't do that. And people are smart enough to know when it's not the game that they fell in love with what you've done. So again, the Tigers, having one of the best performances they've had in the year, ruin it by the bunker making a horrendous call. So I'm done. I'm, I'm off that. I'm not talking anymore about the bunker. I'm not talking anymore about referees or officials. And I'm not talking about the powers that be at the NRL because... All of them seem to be in the same boat, which is just totally going straight up Titanic. Watch out, iceberg. Now, this is a very difficult topic to talk about. It's very polarizing in some ways. But we don't shun away and we don't run away from problems here on Outside the Sheds. Your Shed Adamas will tackle things. Sometimes a high tackle, but I'll tackle anything that moves if I need to. Now, this round coming up is Women of League round. And to me, it's a very, very special round because I think all of us who've played any type of sport uh, know that mothers are some of the major reasons that we can make it to our games, get to eat properly for our games. They are a huge foundation in the beginning process and in, in the process of our lives about being able to play sport. They just make it happen. Dads are there to maybe teach us how to throw a spit change up fastball or how to be tough at times, but moms are that backbone for us, right? So to me, the women of league round is so important because it honors a lot of these women who have done these sacrifices for these young men to get out on the field. And for all of us who've played sport, it's kind of a special thing. I, I, think, I, have, I think I have five different women of league round jerseys from different teams, and I can't say that I look the greatest in pink. I don't look horrible in it. But I think it's just what it means and what it represents. And then if you do have, if you go to a pink party or whatever, I went to the pink party in Miami. Miss Shedadamas looked good, and I wore a pink Panthers, Penny Panthers jersey there, and everyone was all blown away, like, "What the heck is that you're wearing, mate?" But again, uh, they're they're cool in their way. The Pepto Panthers, everyone loves the Pepto Panthers. But the reason I'm going into this deep dive is I think the women of League Round is special. Because it just highlights women. And right now the NRL is talking so much about expanding the women's game, expanding the women's game, expanding the women's game. We don't need to be crossing streams about other meanings except women in league round. All right, there we go. I've set down the foundation. 
the Manly Seagulls decide to come out with a more of a a pride jersey than a women of league round jersey. No pink on the jersey, really. Uh, they decided to make another statement to make a pride jersey for women of league jersey. You know, women of league round. Now, no matter what the concept was or whoever thought this up, okay, whatever, right? But the problem is, this isn't pride round. This is women of league round. So they already missed the boat when they came up with this jersey at this time. Now, if there's a if there's a pride round or an equality round, okay, come out with that jersey then. But what you can't do is come out with a jersey that does not really even represent the round you're a part of and then not talk to your team about that jersey. Because I think everyone knows that this is a polarizing topic. Not everybody is down with Pride Month or Pride Week or whatever you want to say. And guess what? That's their right. That's their right. So Manly does this. They come out with this jersey and then boom. Seven players who, for religious reasons, say they will not wear that jersey, stand up and say, no, not happening. All of this could have been taken care of. All of this could have been discussed. If you do something that's very important, what I say time and time again on this show, communications. You have to communicate with your team no more than you have to communicate with your family, your spouse, your kids. You've got to communicate. The reason that we're in trouble in the country that I live in right now is because everybody is shut off and no one will communicate. They won't listen to one another, right? Because the moment that happens, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you, your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, whoever you're with cannot communicate, it is game over. It's over. So Manly does this, and then they figure out, oops, we did it wrong. Because these players say they're not playing in this jersey. So instead of the CEO or the president coming out for Manly to discuss what happened, they don't do that. They take the lesser road. They send out Desi and DCE to try to calm the waters. Brilliant, huh? No, it was it was ludicrous. Listen, I, Desi Hazard's a great coach, but Desi Hazard's not going to send sell me ice for Alaska. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he's not what I would call the best public speaker. But he's Desi, right? But he was uncomfortable. DCE was uncomfortable sitting out there. They said all the right things, but they didn't really sell me on anything because of their body language. And, 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 and they did not, when people asked them questions, why are you here? They kind of gave looks like, boy, how do I answer this one? Manly dropped the ball, and they repeatedly dropped the ball for this. And now there will be seven players missing from a Manly side that needs to win this match, playing an even as hungry Roosters club. And don't think that the Sydney Roosters are going to take it easily on Manly. But then Manly goes, the seven players that aren't going to be on the field, yeah, you guys are going to be there sitting in the crowd, which is going to go over so well 
for the fans that are going to probably watch Manly lose this match when they see seven guys that might be able to flip the result and outcome of this match because they're not playing. The, if you look at the jersey, it looks almost so much the same as the normal Manly jersey, but it's just rainbow where the white lines are, right? Let the guys play in those jerseys, right? You can tell it's still a Manly jersey. The only team that's going to be in maroon on the field. I don't get it. They screwed this up. I don't know if they meant to screw it up, but they did. And that the NRL did not get involved, did not try to freaking say, wait a second, did you talk to these guys on your team before you came out with this jersey? The NRL has its hands. They control everything. They put people in bubbles last the last two years, okay? The NRL is it. They are the law. They're the sheriff. They're the president. They're the dictator. They're the Trump, all right? That's what they are. And they did not make a decision to step in there to, to, to calm the waters. And now this is what's been left for everybody. So no matter which side you, 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 you stand on with this, just remember two things from your Shed Adamas. One, you've got to communicate and you've got to talk when you're going to make big decisions. Manly failed. And two, the biggest thing about this that it really makes me mad is it's taking away the luster of women in leagues round. And that to me is what should be being celebrated here. If you want to make another social platform round, then do it. But don't don't overshadow women of league round for another cause. You're missing the point of why you came out with this round. And once again, it makes women look like we can't have that platform all to ourselves. I don't get it. I think it's a, a, a huge failure again. And Manly should be disappointed how this was handled. We'll leave it at that. All right, let's go into some picks. I'm done. My ankles are getting tired of sitting up from this soapbox for the last 25 minutes. So starting off round 20, well, let's go right back to it. We've got the Roosters versus the Seagulls at Brookie. And I think you know from what I was just talking about, I'm taking the Roosters all day in that match. Friday, Storm versus the Warriors. I This is my upset of the round. It's at Mount Smart. I'm taking the Warriors to pull off another upset, playing with passion in front of their fellow New Zealand Kiwis. Then we've got Panthers versus the Eels. A lot of people have been smelling an upset with the Eels. Jerome Luai is out this week, but I'm going with Nathan Cleary and the Panthers. I think they know what they need to do. Uh, and again, I, I can't pick Parramatta. I don't know which team's going to show up. Saturday, Raiders versus the Titans. I'm going sticky all day in this. I think the Raiders uh, can see the eight, and I think they will do everything in their power to try to get there. Rabbitohs versus the Sharks. I'm taking Luttrell and the Rabbits. I think they're just, they've got too much strike. Uh, and with Dale Finucane out for the Sharks, I, I'm taking the Rabbitohs. Tigers versus the Broncos. I think this match from last week is really going to take a lot of the air out of the West Tigers, and I'm going with Kevy and the boys uh, to take care of business uh, over the West Tigers. Sunday, Bulldogs versus the Knights. I'm taking the Dogs. I think Kalen Ponga's situation, I think that I think a lot of Newcastle is already thinking about next year. I think they're wondering more if Luke Brooks is coming there and if Adam O'Brien's going to keep their job than who is uh, playing this week for, for uh, Canterbury. And then finally, because I close around, 
the Cowboys against the, the Dragons. Huge match for both teams. One, for the Cows to stay in the, in, in the number two position and for the Dragons to try to make it into the eight. I do think the Cows are going to win this. I just I think that they are a form, form side this year. I just, I, I, it's tough for me to pick against them. So I'm taking the cows in that. Now, let's switch codes. We're going to on the mark right now. Let's talk some AFL. Let's get excited about this because we had some incredible matches this last round. Uh, I did go five for nine. Didn't do as well as I did with the NRL, but still over 500. The round started off, and, and maybe you can say I even went six for nine because to start the round, Tigers 52, Dockers 52. We have a draw, a sister kisser, and I will tell you something right now. The Tigers had two key chances to win that match in the fourth, and they blew it. And I think, unfortunately, that is going to be something we remember later this season because I think if you look at the two teams, the Bulldogs are going a lot better than the Tigers are right now. The Tigers needed to have that victory. Hawks 121, Ruse 75. Um... Hawthorne crushing the streak possibilities for the Ruse to win two in a row. Um, but the Ruse, come on, they should be used to being in that position. Swans 118, Crows 85. A 9-3 start for the Swans. Saw them fly away from the competition. There you go, I had to do it. But the Swanies getting a big victory uh, over the Crows. Cats 106, Powers 94. Possibly... Uh, you know, if it wasn't for that Bombers match and Pies match, um, possibly the match of the round, the power, really they showed a lot of fight. They showed a lot of heart. But in the end, uh, the Cats prevail uh, and, and and again, try to hold on to that top spot. Lions 110, Suns 93. Uh, Lions prevailing in the Queensland Derby again and probably ending the Suns finals bid. Bulldogs 110, Demons 100, title rematch, title rematch, title rematch. It lives up to all the expectations. I think everybody thought it was going to be a cracking match, and it was. Um, and come on, the doggies prevail behind Jamara. It was a, a, a really a, a, a cool coming out party. We're going to talk about that here shortly. Blues 90, Giants 54. Uh, you know, the Blues, they were in a fight. I'm saying the Giants were there to do battle, uh, but the Blues uh, definitely the form side compared to the two teams getting the victory. Pies 80, Bomber 76, my match of the round. Collingwood, uh, you know, the Cardiac Pies. We're going to talk about the Cardiac Pies again uh, here in a matter of moments, but what a game. Uh, I think, you know, you watch endings like that and you remember why you love the AFL so much because... Nothing like victories after the siren to watch a crowd go one way or the other. And then finally, Saints 90, Eagles 62. Uh, St. Kilda getting a big, big victory. They had to have that victory uh, for their, I guess, slim finals hopes to stay alive. Um, but they get the victory and they get the job done. Now, I want to go back to this grand final rematch because I think everybody was excited about it. I was over the moon about it. Um, and don't forget, your Shedanamas picked the victor. Don't forget that. Um, but the dogs were up in it. And I will tell you something. Seeing a star m 
rise and come to the forefront is always something fun to see, no matter what sport you love. It is the best to see a young star come into that spotlight. And we got to see that with Jamara Ugle Hagen. This young man who there's been a lot of buzz about Jamara for a while, right? A lot of people thought he was too skinny. He couldn't probably handle the contact, blah, blah, blah. But there's always been hype around him. But the funny thing about hype, hype does not always mean that it's going to come to fruition. Hype doesn't always mean that a player is going to live up to it. It just doesn't. And sometimes that hype is just too much for the player to handle. It just It's too much weight on their shoulders. And it does not mean a damn thing unless it's lived up to and the player rises to the occasion. Big stage. Big stage, big stage, big stage. That is what we look for. That is what we try to gravitate for and gravitate to in big moments in sports, right? We love those. We all remember a big moment in sports where you you can always remember where you were at. Well, I think we all remember where we were at when we watched Jamara's five-goal haul that saw his Bulldogs beat the D's in what may be the defining moment for the Dogs this season because it, it kept their title hopes alive or at least their, their finals hopes alive. Um, and it, to me, it was just, it was something special. And the kid actually even gets the match winner. And I think, again, galvanizing a, a, a young star is so, so important because that will stay with him. When you can take your team over the line like that in the end, it lifts you and makes you remember that you just got him beating the team that had, for most of the season, been the elite been the benchmark, and you did that. Now, besides Jamara playing an incredible game and and winning it, um, the Demons looked like they were in control in this game for a while. I'm saying they looked like the better club for a lot of it. Um, They were leading by 27 points going into half. All right, so they were in charge. They looked like the club and that side that kind of took care of the dogs, kind of the same type of feel of the grand final to an extent. Um, But the difference is the dogs. They were up for the fight this time. And it's not that they didn't want to win the grand final last year, but you've got to be up to the fight. You have to, at, at, at certain moments, look at yourself and say, what do I want this outcome to be? And they did this. They did this in grand fashion. They wouldn't get put away when the demons tried to knock them out numerous amounts of times and it kind of came back to this young star that I was talking about because it's one thing to look awesome early on in a game and then kind of fade away late but the greats are remembered from what they do with the big key moments and Jamara's three goals in the fourth quarter I think said it all um and it was the difference in the game I'm you know like you have to have those players stars that will take you to that next level. And I will say this right now. I think I think the Western Bulldogs have found themselves that star. And sometimes when guys do this, you can ride that wave of that of that guy for a while. Because let's not let's let's talk about the pies really quick. Because I'm gonna talk about them in more detail again here in a second. But 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 Guinevan has changed the pies, right? 
And a lot of people say he's changed the pies because now everyone's talking about high tackles. But some of that remarkable play that he did earlier in the season was the beginning of this streak for Collingwood. His, I don't know, magic that he brought for a couple rounds was the beginning of Collingwood getting on the back of that momentum and riding it to where we're watching Collingwood right now. So stars can do this. Young players can do this. They can really elevate their club. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Western Bulldogs take that into Geelong, that same emotion this coming week. But awesome to see a young man come out. And congratulations, Jamar, on, on a great game against the Premiers. Now, I just said Collingwood. We were going to talk about him again. And here we go. Uh, because after me talking about them last week on the show, I usually wasn't planning on this to be Collingwood Magpies Radio. Um, this isn't the Prison Bars you know, podcast, Shedheads. I know you. there's a lot of Collingwood fans out there, and more power to you. Great club, great organization, a uh, lot of history. Now they've got some problems um, behind closed doors that definitely need to be addressed. Uh, they need some equality, probably training, but that's something totally different. Um, but when you win nine straight matches, and when you win it in the fashion the way they won this last one over the Bombers, a match that they looked like they were going to win and then all of a sudden looked like they weren't going to win, but then come back and win it. You know, I, I what, what more can I do? I have to talk about the, some of the most popular things that happen in the sport. And in front of 72,000 plus, this game lived up to all of it, all the billing. And it became that classic Pies versus Dons, Bombers match that so many people have grown up watching. And that history has talked about for so very, very long. Um, and it was a classic seesaw battle. What you want. Because it allows both sides to get up and to go down. Get up and to go down. Get up and to go down. And again, that's what this match had. It had everything that you'd want. Um, because Ash Johnson starts it off. Three early goals. And, and the pies go up by 37 points. Right? A lot of teams tap out. Ask the Ruse. Ask the Eagles. They get down by 37 points. It's game over. You know, they're already thinking about what 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 beer they're going to have at the pub later that night when, when a team gets down by that. But this is not the Bombers Club that we've watched over the last few weeks. They just kind of remembered what Don's football is about. They kind of remembered about what the pride of the Guernsey means. And the Bombers did what a lot of people didn't know they could do a few weeks ago. They've come a long way and they came back. They wouldn't take a knee against their bitter rivals. And they were going to show that they were there. They were ready to fight. And then they did it. They, they kicked five goals on the trot. And were in striking distance going into half. I'm saying it was a spirited performance by Essendon. Which we haven't seen a lot of spirited performances all season. But over these last few weeks, they've really started to get a little bit of, how should I say, uh, a little energy back in the club. And then in, in the second half, they continued staying hot. I'm saying they even got up to a 21-point lead to Collingwood. L look at that seesaw. That That's incredible. And they did it. You know, they 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 believed. They, they rode emotion. They rode the wave. They remembered who they were playing. They weren't intimidated by seeing the prison bars across on the other side. And they took a 21-point lead into the fourth. But then we go back to that seesaw thing we were talking about because Collingwood 
when a team is on a streak like Collingwood is right now, you stop forgetting that you can lose. Because you can't picture yourself losing. And if you talk to a lot of coaches that talk about mind performance and how to get yourself ready for big time and big time games, big time moments, all that type of stuff, it's all about the mind. The vision that you have to have to be able to come over the top, to get through adversity, blah, 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 right? Collingwood could not see themselves losing that match. They couldn't. But I will tell you, the other thing that makes it different is the cardiac pies has now come to the forefront. The cardiac pies. And and when you have a team that doesn't look at the clock and thinks that they're always in a match, they seem to pull matches out when they have no business doing it. And with the game of the balance, late, it looked like Harrison Jones was going to slot Essendon into the victory books. That they were going to come back, win this game, take it back, The big victory for the Dons, right? And he hits the post for a behind. And you just left the door open a crack for Collingwood. And then it happens. They go the length of the field. Jamie Elliott gets the mark and then has a chance to seal it for Collingwood after the siren. And let's talk about Jamie Elliott. Jamie Elliott... It's always been a player that I've enjoyed watching, right? He plays with a ferocity about him. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, But I've always enjoyed the fire that he's brought. Now, a few years ago, it looked like Jamie Elliott's career was over. He he couldn't get over his foot fractures. Injuries looked like it was probably going to be the end of his career, that he was not going to be able to come back from it. Well, lo and behold, guess who's holding the ball? to kick, to slot, to bring his beloved team from the brink to the box, the pent box, the penthouse, blah, 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 whatever. And he kicks it. He kicks a 40-meter strike to give the Pies the victory. And I couldn't be more happy for the guy. I was happy for Collingwood. I was not, you know, I was sad for, for Essendon because the way they played as well. But I was more happy than anything for Jamie Elliott. Uh, for a guy that, like I said, I think there was probably moments that went through Jamie Elliott's head that he thought that he may never be back, that he may never be back on this stage, in those moments, and he was there. And that is why we love sports, Shedheads. That is why we love sports. Um, But the heart of a champion showed up. Now, the question is, do the cardiac pie's heart, is it strong enough to continue to have these type of matches? And you kind of wonder and you kind of worry sometimes when teams are winning these games by small margins. And even though they're in the top four now, you still have to really wonder, are they the weakest team that are in the top four? Or are they the most battle-tested team because they've been to the brink of losing numerous amounts of matches that they found a way to win? And that's what finals is for. For us to find this type of stuff out and to experience it, which we're not ready to in a number of weeks. So congratulations to the Pies. Two weeks in a row on Outside the Sheds. And uh, you guys can pay me that endorsement money later. Now, as much and as positive as these first two stories have been, we've got to talk about the the realization of the toll that this sport can take on you. And, And Richmond forward Kane Lambert has experienced that. He's not been able to come back from that hip injury that he that he acquired. And he's had to call time on his career. 
And I think anytime a player has to call time on a career, not because he's like, I'm just tired, I want to go away, I want to spend time with my family, my wife, my girlfriend, whoever, um, but it has to call time because the body just can't handle the rigors of the sport. It's sad. Uh, Lambert played 135 games for the yellow and black. It was instrumental in their grand final victories in 17, 19, and 20. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always sad to see, but you also know when you see a great at a club, uh, how you'll be honored. Um, and so even though he is riding off to the sunset, the one thing about Richmond football club that you know is that they'll always have a place for him and we'll see what his life after his playing career, uh, what it holds for him. But Kane Lambert, you can say this because it is truthful. Straight champion for the yellow and black. Congratulations. Now, we've gone to the highs. We've gone to the somewhat lows. But I want to talk about something that I think all of us have really struggled with. All of us. This last two and a half, three years has been difficult. We've talked about mental well, you know, health. Not just brain health, but mental health. And, and we've all experienced probably some ups and downs during this last three years of COVID, two and a half, whatever you want to say, um, the pandemic. Because when people are not in your day-to-day life and when you are maybe forced to hole up for a long period of time or you can't go into social events like, you know, if you're a club kid and go out once a weekend, twice, okay, three times a weekend if you're a club kid, um, that being taken away from you can have its toll. And I think we've all figured out what that toll is in in, in a lot of different ways because we've all had to deal with mental anxiety over this period of time uh, from the loss of loved ones to, again, um, let's talk about the other thing, relationships, how they're put in strain because we've seen our partners over and over and over again and sometimes people go off to work to get away from their partner, right? People go off to work to get that break away from them. And sometimes because of lockdowns, we haven't had that. So I was kind of trying to, to, to break that down to you about mental health, how, how we've all been affected in this last period of time. Well, I saw a, a story about a player that I've got a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, Charlie Dixon from Port Adelaide. And Charlie Dixon went on a, 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 an interview podcast and talked about mental health. And I think it's so awesome to see that because there was a period of time when athletes would never talk about mental health. Athletes would never talk about weakness. Athletes would never say that they were pushed to the brink and didn't know who they were, didn't have confidence in themselves, didn't know if they could get through. And in 2019, Charlie Dixon broke his leg. And I and I know anybody knows that in 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 footy, you gotta have your leg, right? That's kind of important. You gotta be able to run, you gotta be able to kick. And and Charlie broke his leg. And he broke down the trials and tribulations he went through with that injury, coming back from it. And and the belief that sometimes he would lose if he could come back from it. And then you start talking about the side effects of doing things to keep your, your mind mentally in the game, to help you through depression. And so what does he start doing? He starts taking antidepressants. And I have nothing against antidepressants if they're done right, if they've been prescribed 
if you've exhausted every other possible fastened way to make sure that you're staying mentally sharp uh, or addressing your issue and problem. Because antidepressants don't do anything if you're not addressing why you're having to take antidepressants. It doesn't mean anything. Matter of fact, you're probably going to get addicted to something that you're going to have to stay on because you haven't addressed anything. So Charlie also talks about going to training and actually crying in his car from the emotional toll of actually having to go to training. And he would leave, he said, early enough to get to the shed so he could sit there and try to get his mind right. So if he had to cry, if he had to have emotion, if he had to get himself in that frame of mind to be able to tackle what he was getting ready to have to tackle. Now he made it through this dark period of time because we've watched now this last match against Geelong, Charlie Dixon is not what I would consider a guy that you would think is weak, a guy that you wouldn't think is strong, a guy that you wouldn't think is straight steel mentally, right? But all those preconceived feelings you have on players and these guys who none of us fully know because we're not spending day after day, hour after hour with them, right? Hell, some of you don't even know your own girlfriends and spouses and husbands and all. Eh, who knows? But what I'm saying is we don't fully know what all these guys are going through. And that Charlie Dixon is back, a lot of people are like, oh, he got through it. No, Charlie will tell you right now. He, it is a continuing work in progress. He still sees a mental health coach. He still sees somebody that helps him decompress, talk about his emotions, talk about his feelings. And he even says that if he doesn't talk to this person, you know, in a couple weeks, that he starts feeling himself becoming unsettled. So don't be afraid, Shedheads, if you're having issues, if you're having problems, to reach out, to talk to somebody, to address what you're going through. Because if you don't actually look and, 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 and continue to be a work in progress by paying attention to the small detail and the things that you may be going through that may be causing you to have these emotions and these feelings and this, these problems, and they may manifest and get larger at times. And, and, and it's going to affect your loved ones. You have to understand if you need help. And I think sometimes these players don't understand when they come out and they talk about this, how important it is to the people that follow them and look up to them. So I want to commend Charlie Dixon for doing that. I want to commend him for, for talking about something that a lot of people would have probably held close to the vest and there would only be a couple people that knew that he was reaching out for that type of help. And to me, that makes Charlie Dixon seem even stronger. He makes him seem real. It makes him seem like he's just like you and myself. He's just a beast on the field. But he's always working on himself, which we all should do. And we all should be proud to say that we're working on ourselves. It doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us weak. So thank you, Charlie Dixon, for, for opening up with that story into bringing it to the public and for me to be able to be able to talk about it on outside the shed. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Now let's go into round 20, some of these picks. Let's see if we can do a little bit better than we did last week. We're starting off the round, huge, huge match. The D's versus the Dockers. I know the Dockers are coming off of that tie and the D's coming off that loss to Canterbury, excuse me, to the Canterbury, to the Dogs. Uh, I'm taking the Dockers. It's in Optus. 
I think the Dockers find a way to win that. Friday again, we've got the Power versus the Pies. Pies, nine in a row. Power needing to vi a victory. And I'm going with the upset. I think the Power get the victory in Melbourne and the, and the Power come on top. Giants versus the Swans. The, Der the Sydney Derby. I'm taking the Swans. The Giants have not. GWS just hasn't shown me enough to think that they're going to be able to get the victory there. Saturday, Hawks versus the Saints. I'm taking the Hawks. I think that team has showed me a lot. I think they're going to continue to play good footy. Bulldogs versus the Cats. This is a big one. I am going to still stay with the, the, the Dogs. I think the Western Bulldogs pull off the upset victory over the Cats. Blues versus the Crows. I'm taking the Blues to go up to Adelaide Oval and get the victory. Eagles versus the Suns. I told you about the Eagles just like I talked to you about the Roos. I'm taking the Suns to try to get back on track, even though I think that finals that final slot is not theirs for the taking. Sunday, Lions versus the Tigers. The match is in Melbourne, so for whatever reason, I'm taking the yellow and black to get the victory over the Lions. And then finally, Roos versus the Bombers. I look at both teams coming off of losses. Uh, I just think that Essendon's not the same team as they used to be. I think Essendon sees themselves differently, and that's why I'm taking the Bombers to get the victory over the Roos. As we go into the guns for this last week, uh, we've got three really, really incredible ones. I'm going with my number one being Jamara Uglehagen, five goals, 10 disposals, 10 kicks, six marks, 365 meters gained in his come out performance in their victory over the defending premiers. Big, big moment for this young man. Number two, Josh Adokar, the Fox, the guy whose season was over. What a what incredible way for your season to be over with three tries, 317 running meters, one line break, one try assist, four tackle breaks, four tackles made, and two intercepts. The Fox at his finest. And last but not least, a guy that I could have probably picked every week for the last three to four weeks, Alex Johnson. He continues to be the try machine. Two tries, 80 running meters, two line breaks, six tackle breaks, 10 tackles made, and 45 kicking meters. The guy did it all. So those are my three guns for the, for the, for the week. Pretty impressive. Now, outside the bubble, I don't have a lot outside the bubble. Shedheads, we don't talk about golf right now. And there's a lot of talk about the Live Golf Tour. Um, it looks like uh, they've taken another guy from the PGA. Even though a lot of these guys are taken from the PGA, uh, have not been playing the greatest of golf lately. But, but the biggest thing for me for the Live Golf Tour is that they're trying to get Charles Barkley to come over to be a commentator for golf. I love Chuck. Chuck better not be uh, doing anything. Even though Greg Norman uh, is trying to put push hard to get Charles to come there, I hope Barkley shakes this off, doesn't stare at the dollars, even though we don't know what possibly the gambling debts Chuck might have right now, but that he turns them away and says, hey man, why would I do that? I got, I'm on the greatest show on TV anyway, inside the NBA. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, we've got camps opening up in the NFL. So we're going to have more stories coming up there soon. But uh, 
Not a lot on outside the bubble. I just I don't follow a lot. You know, I know that the 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 English team has made it uh, to the uh, U, the uh, European Championships with a big victory over Sweden last night. But right now, I am so dialed in to these last few weeks of the finals that we're going to have, or excuse me, the regular season to get us to the finals. Uh, my my cup is full. My cup is full. So we'll we'll see if bigger stories come out next week. But for right now, we're staying and diving into the two reasons why we're here on Outside the Sheds. We're staying with NRL. We're staying with AFL. But I do want to put a, a, a note in, and I did not mention this, um, Bevan French. I loved watching Bevan French play for the Parramatta Eels uh, when he was in the NRL. But Bevan French had seven tries uh, a couple weeks ago. And... You know, he's over there siding with Jai Field, and both guys have, have lifted their games working together. So I want to make sure I give a shout-out to, Be- to Bevan French on his seven-try performance that he had, uh, something in, something that should be celebrated, and that to me is more important than anything outside the bubble right now. So Shedheads, stay dialed in. Make sure you make some money from these incredible picks that I've just given you. But we've got an incredible weekend to come. Going to be very interesting tonight to see what happens at Brookie. Uh, between Manly and the Roosters, but that is what sports about. We will watch the drama unfold. But until next week, stay out of stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been your Shed Adamus, Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.